Good morning, First Baptist Church. I'm Joseph Dobson. And I'm Mindy Dobson, and we're going to talk to you this morning about foster and adoptive care. questions that we get asked about foster care is do we get attached to the children as far as my answer would go that answer is yes it's not easy to have a child leave but when you have a child and you keep them in your home a lot of these children don't just like to be loved or cared for and it's about continuing them in the future to know that they can be loved and breaking that cycle for their life and their future to come and showing them that God is in control of their life and letting them grow into the child and to the adult that they need to be. So most people think about adoption and they think babies or infants, um, but reality is that there's a lot of children, um, sometimes uh, older children or between the age of um, 8 and 16, and those children really need a home more than anything. Um, and those children are the children that really um, need a loving Christian family and a home. Right. Those, those kids in that age are the ones that have more memorable aspects of what had happened or what has put them in this situation. and They can remember the bad, but it's time to interject some love and kindness and let them know that they are loved and help them kids out to get adopted that age. And those children, you can really make the biggest change with. And it's just simple things. Um, and they're not needing um, fancy clothes or matching bedroom or all these toys or electronics. Um, they just really need the basics and a right, you know, a loving family and, and a mom and dad out. that just want to spend time with them. It's really um, the biggest impact for those kids. So the impact of fostering children or older children in a family varies um, for different children, but in our experience, it's only been positive. I, I, it's been very positive in our family. It's uh, shown all the kids how to love and how to care for children and be more compassionate. It fits our family well. I'm not saying that's for every family, but it fit our family better than we could have ever expected to do. You learn a lot about yourself. It's a lot of self-checking involved with that because not every child that you take in at dark or in the middle of the night with just a Walmart bag is the same, but all of the kids come around and help them out and take care of them. So it's a good thing. It's a good feeling to, to see your children take on the responsibility of helping another child feel comfortable in your home. So we understand that not everyone is called to adopt or foster, but we believe that, and the Bible tells us, that we all need to be a part of the orphan care in our area. Whether that's supporting a family just by giving them encouragement or being that helping hand, Without a church family or a church body, foster care and adoptive care is very difficult. Um, it's very emotional. Um, it can be 
very much a spiritual battle at times. If there's one thing I would want to tell anyone that is thinking or considered it or had any type of emotion to try it, be a foster parent or even to adopt, to just do it. More than likely you're going to get hurt, but take a chance. It's about that chance and us as Christians have to take that chance. We have to put our forth our effort and our heart and our love for humanity and move on to these children and let them know that they can be loved. Yes. Take that chance. Joe and Mindy uh, have been coming to our church for a long time now, faithfully, and bringing uh, their small family of like a whole church van filled. And I love church fans, so there's special affection in my heart when you drive a church van. I know it's not a church van, but to me it is, okay? Uh, but Joe and Mindy have been coming to our church for a long time, and, and, and they did not want to do this video. I just want to say that, but I asked them to. Uh, because they uh, have lived and are living uh, the journey of fostering children and adopting. So uh, today, in case you did not know, is Orphan Care Sunday. What does that mean? That means that uh, Southern Baptist churches, non-denominational churches, Methodist churches, uh, churches in, in all across denominational lines on this Sunday are fo- focusing on God's heart for the orphans. It's not just in America, friend. It's 90 different countries today. We'll set aside a time in their worship service to think about, pray about, and see what God's Word says about uh, God's heart for the orphan. Today we will be in Galatians chapter 4, the first seven verses. And I know you're thinking, well, Weren't we in Galatians 1 last week? Yes, we were. Uh, You have not been in a coma until now. Uh, Basically, we're going to fast forward to chapter 4 because there's seven verses that really fit today. And then we will go back in time, go back to Galatians chapter 2 very soon. Not today, but next Sunday. So as you turn to Galatians chapter 4, I want to share a uh, phenomenal story uh, that came out this week. And uh, I don't even know how I've... God, I've God, God led me to this because it happened in Oregon at Grace Baptist Church. And let me tell you about Grace Baptist Church. Grace Baptist Church is in... Mc, let me make sure I say this right. McMinnville, Oregon. Anybody ever been there? Okay, I didn't think so. They probably haven't been here either. Uh, but this, there was a group of senior adults that were living in a retirement home. And they decided, you know what, we might not can drive down to such and such church, but let's start a church. So they started a church in the retirement home. That's awesome. Twenty, And it was 20 of them. And this started about 10 years ago. And uh, they even found a bivocational pastor uh, that was a teacher in a high school down the street. Uh, he was an ordained pastor and he... Uh, somehow they worked it out where he could come preach to them once a week and, and be their pastor. Well, a dream of theirs was to build a church building. That was just something that they had in their heart that they, they just thought would be so awesome if they could have a building to be used for the Lord and for ministry. 
Over the past few years, they realized that dream of, of a building probably was not going to happen. And they thought, after much prayer, that it would not be wise and maybe even sinful to not use the money that they had raised for the Lord's work. So a special burden for many of the members was the children in the foster care system. And the families that may lack finances and resources to provide for these kids. After meeting with the Northwest Baptist Convention, of the Southern Baptist Convention, they established a $50,000 fund to encourage and promote Northwest Baptist Church members of that convention of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, the, the Northwest. $50,000 fund to encourage church members to become foster parents. And so that each child would have access to $125 annually to assist in their care and welfare through a simple application process. Listen to this. Ultimately, Grace Baptist Church, they gave an additional, after they raised the 50000 they gave an additional $110,000, which was their building fund, for the cause. And after the word got out, the North American Mission Board, which is part of our offering, goes to the cooperative program, Southern Baptist Convention, gave an additional $625,000 to help every single new church plant across the Northwest, and not even that, any church plant. to encourage their members to be foster families or to have a heart or to somehow help out with foster care ministry. Now, that was just 20 normal, regular people that God used. It's not just in Baptist life. It's churches all over the world uh, have a heart for God's children. If you want to hear a little church history, it's amazing what God has done through the church. For 2,000 years, the Lord has been using the church to care for orphans. The early church fathers, the disciples that were discipled by the disciples, Ignatius, Polycarp, Justin the Martyr, they all wrote of God's heart and specifically specific occasions of when the church would reach out and help the orphans. Justin the Martyr recounted a time after the church took the Lord's Supper uh, they took up an offering to help take care of orphans. In the third century, a document, just the third century, okay, after the Lord went to heaven, a document known as the Didascalia Apostolorum lays out the criteria for selecting a pastor, elder. Listen to this. They must be a lover of orphans. So to be a pastor in the third century, if, they, if, if uh, a man did not have a passion for orphans, they just marked him off the list. Martin and Katie Luther, yes, Martin Luther, went on to have six children by birth. I'm on number three. I can't fathom that. I would have a heart attack and die. But in addition to these six, they also adopted four more who had lost their mother to the plague. They eventually took in seven orphaned nieces and nephews. Luther said, read uh, little about the care of orphans. 
Did you know that? In a, lot, a lot of his writings, he didn't say a whole lot. But his actions spoke very loudly. John Calvin, when he was age 30, everyone in his church was trying to hook him up with a wife. And numerous young ladies were suggested to this bright young theologian, great preacher, a reformer. Instead of, you know, taking all these ladies out on dates that people brought him, he noticed a young woman in his church who had recently become a widow, along with her two children who had been left fatherless. So in August 1540, Calvin married Adelette de Bure, the widow of a former Anabaptist preacher. Adelette brought to their new home a son and a daughter from her first marriage. George Whitfield, the great preacher, started an orphanage. Benjamin Franklin, in his journals, wrote of an occasion where he encouraged George Whitfield to build an orphanage in a certain part of the country. And George Whitfield, like most hard-headed preachers, said, no, God's given me a heart to do it here. And Benjamin Franklin was upset with him and, and thought that, obviously Benjamin Franklin's a pretty smart guy, but he was upset and he said, you know, I'm not going to give any more money to this George Whitfield for his orphanage. Until one day he was in a service, worship service, and George Whitfield was preaching. And Benjamin Franklin felt led of God to donate. And by the end of the sermon, he gave all the money that was on him even gave gold coins. Famous preacher George Mueller built five orphanages. During his lifetime, those orphanages cared for 10,024 orphans. And he supplied it all by prayer. Never asked anybody for anything. Just prayed. The ministry that George Mueller started for orphans still exists today. Come on. The Lord can do anything to those who depend on Him. Today in the Baptist Church, we have the Baptist Children's Village. In case you don't know what that is, that is an orphanage, basically. Our Mississippi Baptist Convention, we have eight locations around the state of Mississippi. The local one. Not only does our church give to those eight through the cooperative program, but we also specifically, our church gives to the Dean Ash Baptist Children's Village. Dizzy Dean gave his house for orphans. Y'all know who Dizzy Dean is? Baseball, famous baseball player? So there's a great history. Do you hear what I'm stepping in? Do you, you, you see what uh, you see what there's a, there's a great history in the church that we should have a passion for orphans. And the church in America is doing a lot, but guess what? It's not enough. And right now you can just tune the sermon out and be frustrated because it makes you uncomfortable, or you can say, "Lord, I need a word from you, from your word," and listen. It seems to me that we as Americans are more passionate about adopting and fostering animals than we are human beings. It'd be interesting to see the data on how much money is spent advertising 
given by the public to help foster pets versus foster children. And somebody's going to be upset that I just said that, probably, because you love your dog. Friend, we love our puppy dog. Her name is Lady. She's 11 years old. I adopted her. You'll have to meet her sometime. But our passion for children should be 10,000 stronger, 10,000 times more strong than our passion for adopting pets. I'm not saying we should not. I'm not lowering that, that we should not care for animals in distress and left behind. We should. But when it comes to orphan care, it's not the government's job. It's the church's. And if the church did her job, we would not need government agencies taking care of children that are left behind. There are 5,100 kids in the foster care system in Mississippi. By the way, a large majority of those are on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Why? Because the Mississippi Gulf Coast is filled with families that are having children and then abandoning them. Just, okay, we'll give you up. Why is that? Because of sin. Because of sin. And because we are a church on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, we are responsible. Right now there's 800 new foster families needed in Mississippi. I did the math on churches in Mississippi. If every single church in Mississippi would come together and take care of one kid, then there would not be any more children in any orphanage or foster care system in this state. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I'd like you to stand in honor of reading God's Word. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Paul had written to this church and he was upset because they were turning away from God's grace. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. He writes about being sons and daughters of the king. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God set forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. Father God, would you open our heart to hear what you'd have to say today? And Lord, when anyone is tempted this morning to judge their worth based upon their actions, God, would you set the record straight and remind us that, Lord, we don't do good works to earn favor with you or to even be happy with ourselves. But Father, we serve you 
We do uncomfortable things because you've set us free and because we love you. Lord, would you speak to us now and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Galatians chapter 4, the first two verses. Uh, Paul's talking about an heir. As long as he is a child, he's no different from a slave. What's Paul trying to say? He's trying to say that a child, a minor, they have no rights. They have no legal rights. They cannot go to the doctor alone. They cannot get a cell phone alone today. Have you ever seen a child try to just go buy an apartment and set up an electric bill and set up the internet? No, they can't do it. They're not old enough. They don't have any rights. They operate under the authority of someone else. An orphan is the most vulnerable because they have no rights. They have no voice. That's why the greatest epidemic in our nation is abortion. Is there anything greater in our nation that is more wicked and unjust than abortion? Sanctity of Life Sunday is coming up in January. Children with parents, they have a few rights, don't they? They have the same rights as their parents. Paul said, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Now Paul is using a spiritual analogy to remind believers, children of God, that they are indeed children of God. And he uses these words, he is under guardians and managers. And it's difficult to see exactly what was in Paul's head when he wrote this, but an administrator is someone that had authority. And that's the word here. If you look at the literal meaning, the word guardian, it means one having authority and maybe has the gift of administration. The next word there, your, your text may say something different, but mine says managers in the English Standard Version. Managers. What does that mean? It means a steward. It means that they gather the food portions and they divvy up the money and, and all of the things that a child needs. I love to steward my children's candy. A little grazing off the top will make my children healthier. That's the way I look at it. You guys awake? I'm just trying to make sure you're still awake. That's probably because your heart's heavy for orphans right now. I hope that's the case. Using this illustration, Paul is sharing that the child must act within the boundaries set by the guardians and the managers. And it's a proven fact that children, they actually crave, they actually desire discipline. Did you guys know that? If you talk to psychologists, if you talk to people that are experts on on child care, they'll tell you that every child, there's a built-in, born-with quality that want someone to teach them how they should respond to what they feel. And when a child does not have someone to help them process why they cannot have the toy in the store on every single aisle, if there's not an adult there to help them process it, 
they go berserk. And if your child is like mine, they probably go berserk anyways. But then there's that opportunity for you to explain that we can see these toys with our eyes and not with our hands. Now, grandparents, they give uh, parents a hard time because a lot of times they go to the store with grandma and they always come back with something. And grandparents like to use that as leverage, and it works. But verse 3, he says, In the same way also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Paul's saying, now that we've been adopted, now that we are sons and daughters of the King, we cannot return to our old life, our old ways. It's like a Rhodes Scholar returning and going, going to kindergarten again. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Colossians 2.20 says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Paul's saying, hey, don't forget. You're different. You've been changed. I put my heart inside of you. I've given you a new heart. I put my spirit inside of you. You don't have to get upset about the same things that people out in the world get upset about. You don't have to stoop to that level to waste your life on things that do not matter. And then Paul says in verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, Paul's sharing the gospel, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Redemption, it implies a negative background. It's a state that means that we were in trouble. And we needed help. We were born sinners, separated from God. And the many, uh, to many people, the greatest hurdle of coming to Christ, being saved, is not realizing that they are lost. And that may be you today. You may not know the Lord, but you think you know the Lord. And friend, before you can come home, before you can come to Christ, you've got to realize you have to, God has to supernaturally open your eyes to help you see that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Do you know Jesus this morning? Not religion or church stuff. Do you know God? Have you been saved by His grace this morning? I once was blind, but now I see. And I'm so thankful somebody told me that I was blind. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus Christ died on a tree for you and for me. How did He redeem you? With His blood. With His very self. With His body. He paid the price for your sin and my sin. I was thinking about that tree, that cross that was used to kill the Lord for my sin and your sin. And then I began to think about as Gentiles being non-Jewish, being grafted into the kingdom of God and how that's us. Salvation happens and we are adopted into His kingdom. There is no greater picture of the gospel than adoption. 
What is a better picture? Someone pays a debt you cannot pay and adopts you, brings you into their family. You become an heir. I was thinking about that tree, most of the fruit trees. I did a little research on fruit trees. Those of you that love flowers and trees, God bless you. But the best apple trees apparently are not created by taking the seeds from a tasty apple. Did you know that? You don't take the proven seeds of a, a really perfect apple and plant it. It's not necessarily going to produce really tasty apples. But people that grow fruit trees for a living, they know that you produce an awesome fruit tree by grafting in a branch from a proven fruit tree. You take a small stem or branch from a proven tree and you grow it, you connect it into the rootstock tree. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. On our own, we are just a small little tree that will produce bad fruit. No matter how hard we try, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 1 John 1.8 says, For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Mark chapter 7, verse 21 says, For out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts. Romans chapter 11, verse 17 says, You, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Aren't you glad, believer, that you've been adopted into the kingdom? Aren't you glad you have a father that no matter what the day holds, what, no matter what lies before you or behind you, that you have a father that loves you unconditionally? Aren't you thankful? And then Paul closes with verse 6 and 7. He says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Verse 6, Paul saying that the Lord has given us a deposit. A deposit in the form of His Spirit. He's given us proof. So on those days when you wonder, man, am I really adopted by God? Maybe He's thrown me off to the side. Maybe because I've messed up. Maybe He's kicked me to the curb. Friend, you have as your insurance policy His Spirit. You have been adopted. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit, capital S, of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's a good verse. Romans 8.16, I'll say it again. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Abba, Father. The same words that Jesus used in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. In Chinese, Mandarin, the same word for Abba, 
is Baba. In Spanish, it's Papa. In Hindi, it's Papa. In Arabic, it's Baba. In English, it's Daddy. In Welsh, it's Tad. Sounds a lot like Dad. Coincidence that so many of these sound the same? I think not. It is ingrained into every single child on this planet. A desire to have a dad and a mom. A parent's love is a tangible expression of God who created the world. It's a tangible expression of of His love for us. God wants your family and my family to be a microcosm of the kingdom, to be a small picture of the kingdom of God. People walk in our house, the Lord wants people to see fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control. He wants our families to be a picture of the gospel. Young people, that's why you better pray a long time about who you're going to marry. It's a big decision. And once you get married, the Lord desires for you to be married to them for life, forever, until death do you part. Every child wants a mom or dad to love them. This is why He gave a mandate to His church. His children, His hands and feet on the earth. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 27. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction. You know, God wrote that through the apostle James, through his brother, through the leader of the Jerusalem church. He didn't just write that so we could just say, oh, that's cute and nice. That makes us feel good at Christmas time. No, he put that in there as a mandate for us. That the church, as God's people, we should visit orphans and widows in their distress. And lastly, in verse 7, he says, so if you are no longer a slave, he says, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. If you've been born again, you're a son and daughter of the King of Kings. We are heirs. The definition, one definition of heir is a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. We don't have to be concerned about our legacy because we already have a legacy to take up. That's Jesus Christ. We inherit Christ and we continue the legacy of Christ. Jesus cares more about orphans than we do. And if we claim to be His heirs, we must take on His DNA and His heart for orphans. You'll notice in your bulletin, there's a new ministry started in our church, just a foster care support group. Thankfully, we have a few families in our church that are already have gone through and many of our people have been through this process of fostering children. Sometimes maybe it's just for a weekend. Sometimes it's for a few months. Sometimes it's for years. We'd like for our church to be able to hold these families up, to be able to help them, to, for someone to go cut their grass when they go on vacation. For someone to drop off some diapers. For someone to put a gift card in their mailbox. Well, that's a federal offense. Don't do that. Uh, Get a gift card to them legally. Maybe for the the, the husband and wife to to go out on a date. Or or maybe volunteer to, to babysit their children. 
do something. That's what our church wants to do. And I, I think, God, that we have a church family that does love each other, that is there in hard times for one another, that is proven that when one of us hurt, we all hurt. Aren't you thankful? We have a church body that cares for one another. But I think sometimes when it comes to foster care, it's out of sight, out of mind. And we don't realize that we can really help these families. God changes your heart at salvation. You don't start doing things out of compulsion. You do things out of love for the Lord. And out of of a love that you take on His desires. And you become passionate about what the Lord is passionate about. And this morning, if you're not passionate about what the Lord is passionate about, then you have a problem. And you need to come and you need to repent. And because He is a Father that loves you unconditionally, He will take you back. He will clean you up. He will forgive you. It's not even difficult for Him to forgive you. He just wants you to turn around, to repent, to come back home. He gave us a new heart. And aren't you glad that new heart beats for things other than our own self? The greatest sin in America is selfishness. We have a God as our own self. You need an example or reason or illustration? What do you think about the most? What do I think about the most? A lot of days, we think about how such and such is going to affect us. Friend, we need to rest crucified and start living every day for Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. Maybe you're a member this morning and God's planting a little seed in your heart to go down the road to adoption. Maybe the Lord has predestined for you to adopt a little boy or little girl somewhere in this world. If God's planting that seed, I'd like to encourage you just to pray about it. I also want to encourage you not to rush things. If it's God's will, it'll happen. He won't let you sleep at night. He'll keep putting that on your heart as long as you're pursuing Him. As we get ready to close and as we come to a time of invitation, we're going to have a time of silence. I'd like you to pray, wrestle, struggle. God, where can I help? What in the world? How can I care for orphans? And i like that to be just between you and God. That is nobody's business but yours. Jesus said in the final judgment, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you, stranger, and welcome you, naked, and clothe you? 
When, you, when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You curse it into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will say, will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Or a stranger? Or naked? Or sick? Or in prison? And did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. The Lord's not playing around when it comes to being His hands and feet. This is what Christians do. This is how they behave. They're passionate about what their father is passionate about. Go into this time of invitation. You respond. You respond. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you or me. All that's going to matter in the end is what the Lord thinks. He loves you with a love that's inexpressible. No man or woman can come up with the words to describe His love for you. It's unconditional. You can't outrun Him. He loves you so much and He's coming after you this morning. Will you respond Let's have a season of prayer. Just right there in your chair. Let's, I'd like us all to bow our heads. Close our eyes to minimize distractions. And you respond to this text. You respond to what God's doing on this day.